Hi everyone, welcome to um, another episode of Soft UK's podcast series. Uh, today we've got Larry Crofton with us. He's going to give his dad's perspective on uh, being a trisomy dad to Darcy. So thanks so much, Larry. Yep. Let's let's hear about her. How how is she and how, how did you how did you find out about Darcy's condition and well, hi. First, thank you for having me. Yeah, she's she's well. She's uh she's actually just watching my partner play PlayStation at the moment. She loves watching TV. She loves um, lights and anything like that that's moving. Well, it started with a scan when my partner was pregnant, and the uh, Darcy's kidneys looked a bit different. They weren't sure if something was not right or not. And it kind of went on from there. We we spent the whole pregnancy not knowing whether there was something wrong or not. Okay, um, so they didn't actually diagnose you in pregnancy? No, no. We got we got to, I think Rebecca was about 36 weeks, something like that. No, 30, I, no, Darcy was born at 37, I think. Oh, 30 weeks, yeah. And we had to go to hospital in London and have uh, another scan. That's where they offered an amnio. Right. And they started talking about, you know, if, if the results weren't what we wanted, we could have an abortion and all that. And it kind of made us go, whoa, you know, this is a this is a grown baby that we've we've um, bonded with now. Yeah. You know, we, that's a bit. No, we just we straight away. We were just like, no, we'll just wait and uh, see how things go. Kind of got it into my head that the worst outcome could be Down syndrome. And then out pops Darcy and she didn't have downs and she certainly didn't look normal compared to the other pregnancies and the other children that we've had yeah and it was a massive shock her coming out really sort of shook my world I was like wow what has she got what is this um, so you, you noticed instantly from her appearance well yeah when she, when she was born they done a little check because it, it was a really traumatic experience anyway the birth because it was the first time it had to be consult you know in a consultant led and yeah. um yeah it wasn't it just seemed a bit more clinical and they tried to you know kickstart the the birth and that went on for about I don't know a couple of days and we're just sitting there listening to a heartbeat and watching monitors and then it all started happening and she was stuck and the cord was coming down by the side of her head so if each contraction it's squashing the cord and her heart rate was dropping so uh, a midwife had to literally sort of hold her up. Uh, Rebecca was rushed into theatre and obviously I went in as well. And yeah, it was all like everyone was panicking and um, Robbie Williams' Angels came on the radio in the theatre. I was like, wow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, within minutes she was cut out and they, they were like, well, she's got this. She's got a cleft. She's got extra digits and that. And I was like, you know, information overload. And then they passed her to me and I noticed her ear was missing and I kind of just freaked out I was like oh can someone take her I had to get out and just step out for a bit and uh, yeah yeah I started doing I started kind of doing what I think a lot of parents do and just looking up what she had because I didn't actually have a name for it then I was like well there's this and this and this and this because she had a single umbilical artery as well uh, bilateral duplex kidneys she's got the cleft palate she's got the ear missing the extra digits and I started putting all that together and a few things came up but trust me 13 kept popping up and I mentioned it to a doctor there a few days later because she spent like two weeks in Skaboo and NICU. So it, it took that that amount of time for them to get the genetic testing done. Um, so during that time, I mentioned it to a doctor. I was like, could it be this? And the doctor said to me, no, no, it's definitely not that because that's completely incompatible with life. And obviously, obviously she's here, kind of left it at that. 
And uh, yeah, when we got the diagnosis come through, it's just. Did they did they go? Did they send <clears throat> off for a genetics test, and then that came back as all trisomy thirteen? Yeah, we said to them, we're like, well, she seems to look well, and it's doing well. Are you sure? And the doctor was like, yeah, yeah. We're like, well, could it be partial or mosaic or something? He was like, no, it's it's you know complete trisomy thirteen. We've we've done all this and all that, and I was like, okay, because mm. um, by then she was two weeks old and obviously from what we'd read she'd um, outlived a, a lot of other children and um, from then onwards we we're just like wow she's just gonna we're gonna lose her any second really that's how we felt the whole time what what did you think would be your next steps after knowing what her diagnosis was we had no idea really we were given a leaflet saying that we could have another child basically and we'd have very little chance of having child which was to be 13 wow. and then they yeah then they cancelled all her appointments follow-up appointments they didn't fill in our red book um they told us we didn't have to bother with immunizations or anything like that um, and discharged us the next day uh, into the care of keach basically for end of life and um yeah that's pretty much it um but it kind of sort of gave you a path that you probably hadn't decided yet yeah yeah we kind of felt like we were that was it we've been sent home for her to die and you know yeah um that's really harsh isn't it yeah they've since i know at the hospital they since um i, I don't know what you want to call it but i know they had meetings about how the situation was handled wrongly so darcy's kind of changed a few procedures there i think with um how they deal with things because it wasn't it wasn't handled well i don't yeah. think from what i know i don't think they'd had a trisomy 13 baby at that hospital which seems to be a running theme we, we do get a lot of specialists who haven't dealt with it before you know the hospital i had my son in had a uh, known of a couple of instances not recent but just you know in their lifetime yeah um and that's what they would base their own diagnosis on it which would normally be quite negative yeah and we, we've come across a few occasions where doctors have actually been reading about it before an appointment or something or i think one of them we went into it was uh, for her eyes he was he, he had it up on the screen like on wikipedia or something reading about trisomy 13 and uh well that's comforting yeah i mean sometimes it's nice I think because we kind of feel like we're helping people learn uh, more about it and see another side of it and maybe changing some opinions you know it's kind of like I think how we were treated and how we experienced it is why I set out on Instagram and things to try and change the way it's perceived and how the kind of just the first thing parents might see when they're looking for information I just wanted to kind of show that there is a bit of hope out there sometimes and not every baby's the same you know because yeah. some, some, some do make it a bit further, and I've, you know, on this journey, seen quite a few, and you know, a few of us have come together and kind of just trying to show that as well. And you're quite vocal <clears throat> about her story, aren't you, on Instagram and social media? Do you feel like that's a, uh, it's been sort of an outlet for you, cope with managing Darcy and? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, in the beginning, like I said, how we were sent home, I was just constantly. You, I think at first you kind of think all sorts of things and early on she had a few months old she got sepsis and we went into the hospital and we were told she wouldn't make it through the night and they wanted to give her like morphine and stuff and they didn't really want to help and um, they started threatening us with legal teams when Rebecca refused to sign a DNAR and that's when they were like right well we need a second opinion and they phoned um, Great Ormond Street in London and they stepped in and said 
you know, no, you have to do everything you can to help this child. And uh, that was it. Suddenly we started getting the help we needed and, um, you know, the, the professionals needed. And it, on that particular occasion with the sepsis, they had, um, you know, some, some medicines and that that they could use. And yes. um, she made a full recovery and left the hospital two weeks later. But during that time, yeah, I was thinking all sorts at home. I was like, you know, I think there's been a couple of occasions where, I've sat and looked up things like funeral costs or, you know, just mm. the sort of stuff that goes through your head when you're in that situation. And it's just the unknown, isn't it? And it's how you yeah. really prepare yourself for it. But she obviously defies your odds and she's yeah. thriving, isn't she? How old is yeah. Darcy now then? Well, she's two. I'm trying to think of her exact yeah. age. <laughs> <laughs> she's two. Yeah, she's two and a half now. She must be. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it should be three. Do you think so? Do you think she turned a corner after she turned one, or is it still been sort of up and down? And well, I find with these children that you can never let your guard down too much. If you do, they they'll find a way of reminding you that they have choice <laughs> of <with> pain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. Darcy spent a lot of the first year having um, these breath hold spells. Yeah. She just ran, she just stopped breathing and pass out. And for us, that's probably the scariest thing. I think a lot of parents have different things they go through. You know, some people have seizures and there's certain apneas and um, yeah. all sorts of stuff. But for us, it was breath hold spells and it was... Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't nice because sometimes they can happen multiple times a day. And um, to us, because it's it's a new thing, you know, it's like watching us leave uh, lose her multiple times a day, and we're like, wow, this is uh, quite a sort of tormenting type thing. But eventually, we yeah. got on top of it. It kind of became our normal. Well, after she turned one, actually, yeah, it's probably nearer to two. The breath hold spell stopped, and uh, she's she's only had a few since then, really. Um, oh brilliant so she kind of outgrew them yeah we had six months with nothing and I think as these children sort of mature and as they get older they get a bit better with their sort of some symptoms yeah um, obviously some things are beyond sort of things that they can grow out of but stuff like breath hold spells uh, as they get older she she if she has one now she she seems to have better control of everything I so think yeah as they grow they teach you more than you know anyway as well she's opened my eyes to a whole world I never knew existed and yeah uh, I think before I would have looked or heard about a child with trisomy 13 I would have gone oh you know I feel feel for that parent oh, I can't imagine what they go through and all that whereas now I know that you can't imagine it people can't imagine it it's such a full-on sort of experience all the time I mean what like when she was born for example she was fed on the hour every hour day and night for like three three months or so and even just that was surreal you know and you start walking around like a zombie and thinking you're never gonna sleep again (laughs) and it's such a different experience to you said you've got other children so it's not yeah, something yeah. that you've experienced before. Everything becomes bigger as well, as in like if she does something, it's like, wow. Whereas with the others, you kind of just take it for granted. Yeah. You know, you just expect them to do stuff like walk and talk and that. Whereas if, if Darcy suddenly spoke or walked, it would just be mind blowing. Yeah. Know? Their milestones are different, aren't they? You just you yeah. soon learn you soon learn that they're gonna do different things at different stages or or maybe not. I think milestone wise, um, that's one of the things I said early on is that um, with these children, they kind of, the hospitals kind of carry on going on about milestones and stuff. 
And I mm. think you learn quite early on that that's the one thing you've got to throw out the window. Don't bother with normal milestones. Forget about things like walking, talking. Um, they've got to do this by that age or they've got to do that by that age because it isn't going to happen. These children just do things at their own pace and you just have to just enjoy them. I think that's a great tip to give to any other families that might be listening. I mean, they're really happy. Uh, Like some of them go through really sort of traumatic experiences and that. But on top of it all, they always seem smiley and happy. And, you know, and Darcy especially, she's just nonstop in a happy zone. Unless she's upset. Mm. It's just happy and yeah you know for me that's that's more important than anything if, if I think that's probably a credit to you and your <clears throat> partner and your and your other children because you're you're providing such a happy environment for her the other children you know they they dote on her and they're always you know walking up to her giving her kisses or cuddles or playing with her and yeah, um, yeah she's definitely in a house of non-stop love <laughs> yeah yeah that's good um, well, I think apart from me, what I was doing, trying to spread a sort of better picture for parents out there, it's also a dad thing. I think a lot of these groups and that are dominated by women. And mm. even now I see in certain groups online, um, people will post and they'll be like, ladies, I need advice or women. And it's like, you know, we're there. Our dads yeah. are there. And we kind of get forgetting, uh, forgotten about. But I think I would advise you know dads to get out there and talk to people even these weird the, the women are nice women generally and they all like chatting um don't feel bad about entering a group and it being dominated by women because uh, yeah or even just intimidated by it by it i think it's just easier for the women to take yeah. lead on something like that but yeah like you said the guys are still there and <clears> the guys <throat> are such a big support to the women i mean we get we, i think we get forgotten about a lot and mm-hmm. our even things like our mental health, our physical yeah. health and everything gets affected by this. And I think just guys need to remember to look after themselves and sort of think about themselves as well. Yeah. Um, so I think it's easy for us to sort of sit there and think, right, we need to protect our child and our partner and we need to speak to people as well. And I th- I'd definitely say get out there and go and talk to people in the Tries Me 13 community and just uh, just think about yourself from time to time. Yeah, definitely. I'm so glad you said that, Larry. And softer trying to do as much as they can to sort of make that barrier less and less to to try and get encourage guys to to come and talk to one another or just yeah like you said in general groups so hopefully I think it affects both mum and dads pretty equally you know I think people just people assume that because I generally that that because the mother gives birth and everything that they'll they'll be so much more devastated but Mm. from what I've experienced both mums and dads uh, both need help and both really sort of can suffer from this so yeah just get out there talk yeah perfect (laughs) come and say hi to me yeah exactly come talk to Larry he's on social (laughs) so it won't be hard to find him (laughs) thank you so much for sharing your story about Darcy, it's been so nice to to hear about her and I'm so glad she's doing so well. Thank you for joining us.